What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode nine of the Small Town Wealth Podcast, and our guest today is Heath Fletcher. Heath, uh, Heath's an interesting fellow. I, I really like this guy. We've met up uh, a couple times, you know, in my personal business. He's done some photography for us, and you know what? It's not just the fact that he he turns out a great product in terms of you know the photography end of it, uh, the graphic design end of it, but he really was a fun person to work with. He really enjoys the people side, and uh, that that is a huge reason why we wanted him on the podcast to give us you know a sense of his business and and what he's doing in the community to improve his his conversational skills. Totally, man. I mean, he's uh, he, he's super cool. I see him all the time at networking events, stuff like that. He represents Sproing, which is uh, his current creative agency. He's got two other partners in that, uh, Rael and Joe, and they've got just an absolutely phenomenal uh, marketing agency that they're uh, running right now. And he's he's super, super great to talk to at events. He's always uh, immersed in conversations with everybody. He's taking pictures, whatever it is. He's He usually gets actually... Uh, uh, contracted out by through Sproing, obviously for a lot of these big social events in town uh, to do their photography. But I mean, just this list of awards and accomplishments, just in what is it like thirteen years of being in uh, in Vernon, just yeah. it, absolutely phenomenal. Employer of the year in two thousand eighteen, innovator of the year in two thousand eighteen. Uh, nominees for both of those community leader of the year he was a finalist uh, last year in 2017 small business of the year nominee sterling service business award um, finalist best workplace top 10 finalist uh, best website company in north okanagan uh, for 2014 15 and 16 2007 he was entrepreneur entrepreneur of the year nominee and new business of the year award he won it in 2006 uh, shortly after moving from calgary yeah, the the list goes on, and and what I really enjoy about Heath is that he is going to use his backdrop and and just his personal story where he came from as a framework to create a business, and that that is really really cool to me to hear how he was so independent from a very young age, and we really want to bring that to light in this podcast, um, and how he's designed a life around his work, and and it's really cool because we spend so much of our lives at work, and we kind of have this this tendency to really, okay, get a job, get a family, get married, and then you just kind of retire and die. Well, he doesn't want to do that. He wants to design his life. Um, He wants to design his life according to what he sees money as, and, and that's just it's it's incredibly interesting for to have us on to have him on here and and speak with us so yeah and for all you uh nerds like myself out there we're gonna chat a little bit about some uh some of the star wars stuff as well closer to the end of this so without further ado let's jump right into it thank you for uh for listening and here's our conversation with heath yeah we hope you enjoy it thanks guys instagram we live we're live all right instagram hello facebook We've got Heath Fletcher in the house today. Um, I am going to mention one thing to everybody on Instagram. It tends to cut out at 60 minutes, so if we go longer than that and you still want to see what's going on after it caps out the Instagram Live, head on over to Facebook. we got the camera right next to us there. Facebook's going to record it from start to finish, so you can do that. Awesome. Cool. Guest this week, Heath Fletcher. How's it going, man? I'm good. How are you guys? Good, good. Yeah? Good. Yeah, how's your weekend going? Yeah, really good. Just did the uh, JCI uh, gala and charity auction last night. Yeah, tell me about that. How did it go? Yeah, it was really good. We ran the photo booth for them, so we're one of the sponsors for that, along with, uh, who was it this year, uh, White House Mortgages and Infotel. 
So it's a it's a great. We set up a really cool photo booth, and everyone comes in costume. So they're really excited about the photos. And what I what I like about what they do is that they print them up and send them out to everybody. So it's a little old school, yeah. but see, people seem to really appreciate that. It's a bit of a novelty now to get a photograph on paper. I was definitely exactly. gonna like point that out because it was a it was definitely a good time, and I was actually talking to you about like a digital copy. But the more you told me about it, I was thinking, you know what, this would be cool because. My idea was to send it to my grandparents, so right. maybe send it in the mail, and now they have like a physical, a yeah. physical copy, yeah, that yeah, they can frame or whatever. Nobody they does that hardly right? any, anymore. Right? People still love putting stuff on their fridges and like having pictures around the house. So it's pretty yeah. cool to have. Some they do like copies. that, yeah. And it, you, like, how often do people get things printed? I mean, it's just not that. <clears throat> it's just not that common anymore. So they're all on our phones, and we're looking at them like that. You can like airdrop. You, said, drop, you like, can email. Yeah, you can and then you ask me how yeah. will we ever get a digital copy? And I and they hold them back. They will let them out but they'll hold them back till the photos go out and then it kind of keeps that sort of excitement i get in the photo so well i need one for instagram and facebook because if i don't post them then i, I don't even think i was really there like, right yeah. <laughs> that's your virtual so. life yeah picture it didn't happen <laughs> yeah it's like that it's like that joke that goes along it's like if you if you go hiking and you don't take a picture did you really go did you like... actually go <laughs> yeah. have i been here before i don't think so that's awesome. All right, Heath. So uh, thanks again for joining us in studio today. Hey, you're welcome. And I was looking forward to it. Awesome. No, us as, us as well. And yeah, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, where did it all begin? Uh, which, Start at the beginning. Like, uh, me? I, I, I yeah. kind of threw you some stuff of... When I yeah, was man, just when I was born off. and way back when yeah but. man just start from the beginning like childhood only child what made Heath <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a good question actually uh, but I, I yeah I think I was I think I touched on the fact that I grew up uh, as the youngest of six but I was fourteen year gap between me and the older one so more or less got to have siblings as an adult but as a child I was basically home alone right. So uh, it was me and my mom, so could have kind of the only child concept, the golden child, they used to call me, because yeah. <laughs> they were all my brothers and sisters were old up, uh, grown up and having kids of their own. So I was actually an uncle at two weeks, when I was two wow. weeks old. you were an uncle at two weeks old. Yeah, yeah. Holy yeah, it's crazy. That's cool. And, uh, but we had a really tight family. My mom was really good at keeping everybody... Um, keeping everybody connected and and uh, so we've all grown up really close which actually what how we ended up here is that one of our family members came here to raise their kids and uh, it was like a domino effect eventually now there's like 18 of us here from our from our immediate family that where did you come from originally Calgary Calgary okay yeah so grew up there in the big city and uh, yeah I was the latchkey kid in the 70s who kind of let himself in and out and he, all the time my mom was at work it was just her and I so uh, that sense of independence has always been sort of a part of me I think when you think back that was probably what sort of made me self-sustaining right like I had to kind of you know not feed myself in the sense i had to scrounge for food but i had to make it if i was hungry i had to find it it was in the fridge i had to make my lunch make whatever bring breakfast be ready to go for school get myself to school can you imagine grade one i think back i'm like how did i even go to did i even go to school like yeah. <laughs> do i have to get up like, she'd be gone to work and then she would make sure i was up so that i could be ready for school and I had to get myself to school lock the door get to school and then there was no lunch program back then. So I'd have to walk home from lunch, eat my lunch, and then go back to school. So there was like a couple opportunities where I could just go, I don't like going to school. 
but yeah. I did it and I so I don't know it was just sort of like it was I don't know I just kind of automated to just keep going and that went right from grade one through elementary right through right through grade 12 you know it's just independent I was guess. that you think just because your parents had already done it six times and was like okay we're just gonna let this one fend for himself or quite possibly yeah yeah, yeah. I've, yeah I've heard that before where you, the more kids you have the less the less you hover right yeah so that's quite possibly and you know what I think that might I don't know what what your belief system is but I I think that might have worked to your advantage that you weren't like babied as a child that you were you know forced to actually go out and make things happen for yourself yeah yeah absolutely yeah I think because my wife and I talk about that too she kind of lived the same lifestyle as a child as well where she was kind of left to her own devices and I guess there's a gamble you could go a, a person could go one way or the other in that scenario totally. but um, kind of grew up my mom had really good values and so you know that was the foundation of unconditional love and and really good values and she was a really hard worker and she kept a really nice home even though we were kind of low income and I didn't have a lot we didn't have a lot of extracurricular activities so sports was pretty much out of the question because we just didn't have the money for it so she would do things she would she was kind of an artsy she really liked theater and art so she always put me in things like choir and organ lessons and things like that (laughs) (laughs) not the things you're like looking to do when you're like 10 or 11 or 12 like a lot of your friends doing other things and you were trying to get out of those artsy things or did you take them on i just took them on i don't think i even questioned them i just it was just uh, i think at some point i i I pulled the plug on them at some point But um, the organ lessons, I, I don't recall really embracing that. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe if it had been the piano, yeah. but the organ—it's like, it's a weird, it's a weird instrument. That's the, to just, that's the triple decker piano, right? <laughs> yeah. We had a big mother in our living room. Oh, you was, had one. We had like I don't <laughs> know how make, much money she spent on that. But the was, lessons make a little more sense in that. Yeah, case, yeah, but we had the full deal, right? How like, do you get? Crazy. How do you get that thing in your home? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like you need a. a crane <laughs> take the roof <laughs> off and drop it in it we don't need a pool we don't need any uh, yeah. landscaping we just need you to take this crane and put this organ yeah out. yeah yeah but then <laughs> because now you'd call it the keyboard so it would have been cool today right because it was the right. keyboard but back then it was an organ but it had all the sound effects like the samba and the all the drums so, and everything it was crazy so what differentiates an organ from a piano uh, it's electronic, and so you have, you can mix other. You can there, it it has percussion and it has other. You can you can I don't know. It can be a flute sound or it can be a piano sound. You can change the sound of it. Right? Oh, okay. See, I always saw organ as like oh, like choir, church like organ? something that was played. Yeah, yeah like something yeah, that was yeah, played yeah, in yeah. the so same, like, yeah, yeah, same concept. Quasimodo or something like yeah. that, right? Like, <laughs> same concept, but they built the home version, which was probably the size of a of a piano. Oh, okay. But it was electronic. Um, but you would probably equate an organ to a keyboard today, right? Okay. I, I don't think people take organ lessons or anymore. They take keyboard lessons. So. It was like that episode of Friends. Ross is really cool when he plays the keyboard. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 probably. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I survived that, and I, I, I did that for a, a couple of years, I think. But I don't remember. The choir was kind of fun. I always remember doing that. It was a big. It was called the North Hill Boys Choir. It was really fun. I don't sing today, but I, it was, I remember that. I was hoping you'd do a number for us. No, man. Oh, <laughs> I did a couple musicals, though. I, I did a couple children's theater musicals in Calgary. I was actually Robin Hood in a, in a, in a musical pro, um, production. It was just really weird. I didn't want that role. I wanted the bad guy. I always wanted to be the bad guy. 
right? Like Darth Vader. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I, I, I tried out for the king. I wanted to be the, the badass king, right? And uh, I got the call, and they were like, so, yeah, we wanted to cast you, so uh, we hope you'd like to take the part. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And they said, so we want you to be Robin Hood. What? I want to be the king. Oh, we've already cast that role. I said, so is there anything else? <laughs> no, Robin Hood, if you would say, take it or leave it. And I was like, okay, I'll take it. But it was really fun. It was children's theater, so it wasn't like Broadway. Or How old were you around that time? Uh, 21, <coughs> 22. Oh, this is, so this is post-secondary. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Yeah, this is after, after school. After, so how old were you, after. how old were you when you kind of like moved into Vernon? Oh, I was fully grown adult, dad. In my, we've been here 13 years now, so I was in oh, my okay. 40s. Yeah, yeah. Well, you so, don't look like you're over 50. Oh, <laughs> we'll say that. I'm 50. 50. Oh, yeah, okay. I'm bang on right now. I'm 51 in in May. You're doing well, my friend. You're thanks. Doing well. Thanks, guys. Um, so when you finished high school, you had a sense of independence. I think there's something to be said for that. Um, like David was saying, with parenting your kids, you know, over parenting. Yeah. Uh, you sort of had this sense of independence, but it wasn't just that like your mom doesn't sound like she was necessarily emotionally vacant or anything like that. Oh God, no. She no. had complete faith in you that you could do all these things on your own. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's something to be said for that. So how did that affect you after high school? What, you know, how did that affect your identity? That's probably a good point. I actually never really thought of that is that by her putting me in those positions where I had to be self-sufficient and responsible for things, uh, for myself, it probably did set me up to just being that way moving forward in life. Right. And I think I've always kind of seen, I've never really relied on a lot of people for, for a lot and maybe almost to a fault, right. Where you're just a bit too self self-sufficient or a bit too independent. And I saw that over the years moving forward that um, probably one of the weaknesses I learned to kind of get over is asking for help because I just never asked for help. Even though when you needed it, you just kind of were built in was like, well, I don't need help. I, I'm just supposed to do this on my own. I right? do it on my own. Yeah. yeah. So uh, over the years, I kind of had to realize that, you know, asking for help is actually a really important part of life. And so, so I had to kind of learn that. Um, and, uh, but I think you're right about how she set me up to instilling that belief that I can be alone, be on my own and be independent and, and, uh, make decisions without uh, always having to, uh, discuss them with her. That was probably, that was probably a good thing she gave me for sure. Well, it probably sets you up for other bosses as well. Like if you're working under anybody, I mean, you're pretty, you know, entrepreneurial spirit. So you've been self-directed a lot of your life, but I mean, I feel like that could possibly work well in any type of employment situation or when you are asking for help. Although entrepreneurs aren't typically don't really make the best employees. That's true. (laughs) Because they always think they can do it better. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Actually, (laughs) We're not really great employees. I have been fired from several jobs. So that's probably tell us about that so tell us like your first jobs coming (laughs) out of high school maybe not the parts about you getting fired but actually and i don't think it was fired in the sense like you're get the hell out of here it was more of more of a it's time's up it's time to move on to something else but yeah 14 at 14 i realized uh, or i we were i could work also 14 i had a i had my learner's license at 14 in in alberta right 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 how to drive at 16 so there's a lot of independence there too but um yeah, at 14, I realized that I could uh, I could work and uh, started in fast food, making fries. Me too, man. Yeah, yeah. Harvey's. Which one? Harvey's? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Harvey's. 
awesome. Okay, give give us the slogan. Come on, use your singing voice. Give us the Harvey slogan I don't right even, now. I don't even remember what it is. Harvey's it? makes your hamburger a beautiful thing. <laughs> See, I didn't even know that. That's I awesome. forgot. That's good. That's impressive. You remember that. Um, yeah, so, and I think once I kind of got that, so there was a Harvey's right by our house. It was brand new, and I think it was new to Calgary, too. So I got in there and uh, did that for a little while. Then um, I just said there was also a mall near our house. So I went down there, started looking for jobs there, and I got a stock, uh, stock kid, stock guy. Stock boy. Stock boy job in a clothing store called Stitches. I don't know if you remember that mm-hmm. before your time. You said that in Vernon, actually. Oh, did it really? Oh, no kidding. Why? Because when you wear their clothes in public, you're going to need stitches after. Yeah, maybe. Like... I, don't <laughs> I don't know where the name came from. Uh, but I got, so I got a job in the back unloading, unpacking stuff and steaming dress shirts. It was, uh, it was, it was men's and women's clothing. So it was not just men's, but steaming stuff, hanging them up, tagging them, all that kind of stuff. So in the back. And one Saturday, the manager came back and she said, uh, she goes, okay, somebody just uh, called in. They're not coming in. And I, it's busy out there. I need another set of eyes on the floor because people steal stuff. And she goes, so right. get some clothes on because I'm wearing like T-shirt and jeans, right? She said, get some clothes on. Just find something to wear, but get dressed and get out there as soon as you can. So I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. So that's what, that, was the, that was the pink shirts with the gray leather zipper ties back then. It was awesome. I was like, yeah, it was a zip. Sweet. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I went out there and, and um, she's like, I'm like, I'm like, what do I do? And she said, just, well, just, just watch people and make sure no one steals anything. And if you think someone's stealing something, come and get me. And she said, and so then she's like, here's, here's a tag. It just said stitches on it. Didn't have my name. And then automatically people just kind of go, can you help me with this? Right. And so I'm like, yeah, okay. I'll try. So I was like, whatever. And then, um, so the end of the day, I had a really great time. It was really fun. And, and she said, she goes, you're awesome. I sold, I sold, I sold stuff. Right. And I got commission and she goes, you're on the floor from now on. You're not going, you're not in the back. So I, that was my first sort of introduction to customer service. Right. Cool. So, um, I really liked that. And when I stayed in retail for quite a few years, I went from there, I went to bootlegger and then I eventually, uh, through high school and became an assistant manager at bootlegger. And, uh, Stayed there after high school even, and uh, but I also actually did I stay there that long? No, actually I just I kind of wrapped it up in grade twelve, and um, but stayed in. I was assistant manager back then, and then I went to uh, I started getting I got a job right after high school with the city of Calgary. Um, oh okay. I've done I've done a lot of different jobs. I, I actually had a job that was a temp service with the city of Calgary. So I was you kind of get picked up and dropped into whatever department. Um, needed an extra person, whether it was to cover for holidays or leave of absence or something like that. So it could right. be two weeks, it could be two months, but it was a great job. It paid really well. And and uh, city jobs normally do. People want to stay on with those city jobs yeah. all the time, right? And of course, my parents, my dad was uh, my dad was a labor relations guy. Like he had a and he was and he was a he was a part time dad. So, but he had strong opinions about. He was a he was a union man, right? So he right. liked he was get the job, get a job, and stick with the job, and stay with the job, and get a union job, and stay there, and then you'll get a pension. So it was that he had benefits, a totally different yeah he had a totally different perspective on on right. work life, right? And um, so I kind of followed that that 
teaching that he said get that job and so um, because I was at the city I had opportunity to apply, I, had, I was at a temp position that opened up to a full-time position and it was a pop property tax evaluator assistant Wow, sounds sounds, wow. sounds it's, riveting, it does sound, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I applied for the job and got the job. So now, but okay, now it, the whole everything shifted because I'm like, this isn't temporary. This is permanent. And I kind of got. I I can remember the feeling of it was almost like claustrophobia. You're trapped. I was like, oh my god, I can't do this. I can't do this. So I'm in the paper, right? Looking and I'm looking in the. I'm, I have a I have a permanent city union job. I could just stay there forever. And I'm looking in the newspaper under um, on what's available out there. And I see Hertz Rent-A-Car has openings at the airport. And I'm like, oh, working at the airport, that'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I whipped up there one day and I took out my resume and I walked in the door and there was a guy leaving and he's like, oh, hey, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm just going to drop off her resume. And he goes, oh, I'll take that. So he goes, oh, okay, that's cool. He goes, uh, have you ever thought about living in Jasper? And I said, what? I don't know. Uh, that's weird. He goes, well, I own the Jasper location. So uh, do you mind if I take, make a copy of this? He goes, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll get, I'm coming back to town in a couple of weeks. So I'll hook up with you. And I was like, I don't know, maybe. So he, uh, he grabbed a copy. He left. I left one there at the Calgary location. And I went back to my my permanent position at the city of Calgary. And uh, I got a call from this guy like a couple of weeks later and he said, so I'd really like you to come and work for me and manage my rent car office in Jasper. And I was like, huh, okay. Well, so he took me out for lunch. He said, I'll pay you what you're getting paid now. And uh, he was, it is seasonal. So, you know, it only goes from May to November. So you're on your own for the rest of the year, but whatever, you could figure that out. So I was like, ah, that sounds great. <laughs> so I took the job, quit my job at the city. My dad just about lost his sh shit. Yeah. And uh, he, uh, I went and I moved to Jasper and I stayed there for two years. I actually managed his Hertz Rent-A-Car office. No way. Had a blast. It was did really he, cool, did he yeah. say? Cool. Did he say he's going to pay you the same as what you were making at yeah, the city? Yeah, he's paying me the same as what I was making for the government. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, and yeah. then, and you were only making that in... A May to November period. You didn't have to work year round. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I kind of floated around. It was what a gig. Union. <laughs> so great. a union guy doesn't necessarily like that. No, no, no. The unions no, are the union still man. different. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's no future. Right. But it's, it's the way my dad would look at Air it. Air quotes. Right. <laughs> Fair enough. No. Were you? Uh, so what, was cool. What kind of student were you like in high school? Oh, terrible. Terrible. Like. Like, like just, are, are we talking like D? Are we talking D's like, and no, F's no, or like, C uh, minus? Like, oh no! Like, like just fifty percent. Like. 51 like just got through so like they pushed you through the system more or less yeah. i think i i think i need i know i wanted to get through like there were things that i excelled in like i excelled in the creative stuff like i excelled in art and i excelled in music and i excelled in um anything social actually every comment on my on my report card was he talks too much and socializes too much <laughs> which is really funny because it's actually probably the part of what i do now that is more significant about our the relationship building that I do in or have done in, in on my whole career is, is the relationship building and that actually ties right back to that it's like that was actually a strength as opposed to a weakness but I think we tend to do that with kids we find things in them we recognize things that are we consider to be a 
weakness as a child, but as adults, we would actually look at those things as strengths. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see that kind of dynamic, especially in the school system where they kind yeah. of they have a box where they want everybody to fit mm-hmm. in, and then if you are like somebody who asks a lot of questions or talks a lot or whatever right. it is, socializes, uh, you're taken out of the box now and you're labeled, right? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. and yeah. it's highly institutionalized. So there's a certain system, mm-hmm. and there's there's only so much money to teach a certain amount of classes right. to teach a certain amount of subjects. So you gotta stay they over want, here. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, want yeah. you to be a certain type of personality so that they can make the most you know get the most effect out of the right. money let's, let's exactly. call it what it is they want you to be a cl- they want clones yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and it's it's i mean i i can relate a lot because up until grade seven that's what every single one of my report cards said as well right is right. yeah talks disruptive too talks same, same too thing. much yeah. <laughs> yeah. and that's probably typical of most entrepreneurs i would say yeah. they just can't stop thinking right they can't stop it's hard to shut it down. It's hard to kind of stay focused. And I think that's also where that sometimes being labeled ADD or you have some sort of a te- attention deficit that you can't focus. Well, I can focus on things that I want to focus on, right? That's the way. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of times it's just like when the school is a struggle because it's just not always something that has some sort of captivating interest, right? Some people love numbers, right? That's why they become accountants. Right. I couldn't do that. So I can't have the same focus or the same passion about numbers that say somebody who, who eventually becomes an accountant or, a, you know, or something like that. There's always a counterbalance too. Yeah. ADD and ADHD brains are shown to have higher levels of creativity and empathy. Totally. So yeah. it's like there's always a balance to that. And if it doesn't work out in school, at least you know after high school, if there's any high school people listening, it does change. Like you can utilize yeah. those strengths instead of harnessing them in as weaknesses and, and, you know, being judged for them, it's very different, right? There's a cool story I heard one time about that exact thing, and it was, um, it was a story about um, um, in the 50s, could have been early, even 40s or 50s, but back when they used to um, treat kids who didn't fall into the system differently, right? Um, and there was a woman, uh, a young girl, and she was in school, and she, her teacher went to her mother and said you know she your daughter just can't sit still she cannot focus she can't learn we think she has a learning disability we, we think you should go get her assessed so uh, she did that and she went she took her daughter to uh, to a psychiatrist or whoever they did to do that assessment back then and um, so the doctor did his thing and, and he brought the mom in and she he sat her down and he just said said to the daughter he just said you can kind of just um, uh, hang out in the office. I'm going to go talk to your mom. And he turned on the radio and there was music playing. And so he sat the mom down. He goes, your daughter doesn't have a learning disability. He goes, um, your daughter. And he, he goes, all we have to do is look at her. And she, here she is. She's in the in the uh, next office with the music is. And she's walking around and she's looking at books. And she's just sort of floating around with this music on. Right. And he goes, your daughter just needs to keep moving. She doesn't have a learning disability. She just needs to move in order to learn. And so he said, I encourage you to get her into some sort of dance or musical okay. uh, school where she can learn something different and learn in a different way. So the alternative back then was some sort of treatment, drugs or, or therapy or electrotherapy. Right. Or back then they used to do crazy things, right? And they didn't so understand it as much they didn't understand then, it. So. Yeah. So they, we've come a long way. But this guy, this doctor had some more insight. And so he said, get her into dance or something. Like that. So she, this, this, this mom put her daughter into dance. 
Well, you fast forward a few decades, that little girl became the woman who choreographed Cats. Oh, really? Yeah. That's super cool. It's a cool story, hey? Yeah. Yeah. I just because of that. And that's, and that's what's so interesting about just having, like, the self-awareness of seeing that. Because some kids maybe aren't able to have it at such a young age. Yeah. But if parents can spot that and yeah. then go all in and allow the kids to, to go all in on their passions. Yeah then it's really interesting to see the results because like you said you didn't have ad you didn't have trouble like learning or focusing no. or whatever you just had trouble focusing on what Certain you didn't things. like yeah what exactly. you weren't good at but yeah. if they yeah. went if if you had a curriculum that was all surrounded around creativity and you could learn the basics still because yes the basics of math science english reading writing all that stuff it's still important mm -hmm. but you can base it around a curriculum that is more interesting mm -hmm. to somebody like you and yeah. you're not the only one like that there's lots of other people like right. that then there's other people that they like numbers a little bit more so you can teach them science even creativity and math you can show them how the fibonacci equation shows up in all things in nature oh, yeah, and stuff exactly, like that yeah. and now they learn to see these things as numbers i'm very very fascinated um, and intrigued with a different way of schooling where we can spot the child's passions from a young age and then build a curriculum around that right because everybody learns and sees things differently and yeah. is focused on things differently. Absolutely. And I think just like that's what school, what school, what's great about school is it does expose kids to all kinds of different things. But it's once they sort of are sort of attracted and, and migrate to any particular thing, that's where you're seeing sort of this sort of internal draw or this gift towards a certain aspect of learning. Then that's, you know, that's a strength that's like, oh, foster the strength instead of focusing on the weakness and saying well okay you're good at that but you should come over here and you should be better at these things too yeah right? that's right right and they're yeah. trying to they're trying to focus on the downfalls and and, and fix the shortcomings right. rather than focusing more and getting better at the stuff that you're already naturally good at yeah and i, I think it's changing you know i i see and even with my own kids going to school is that <coughs> uh, i mean with the community school here in vernon that that is very much how they sort of allow education to happen is by learning through their interests and where it draws them and what makes them unique and what their in natural gifts are right we tend to get lost in not not recognizing what our natural talents are and our natural gifts are when we're not told at an early age how that is something you're naturally good at, you're that's awesome. You should focus on that, right? Well, it, you got to give school credit because it does help us make a, it gives us the ability to be well-rounded into yep. individuals. That's sort yeah, of absolutely. seems like yeah. that's the intent. It doesn't always work as yeah. intended or yeah. most of the time in my opinion it doesn't work as intended. Um but there's times now where you know, say you're not good at math, but if I would have tried, if we would have tried a little bit harder, would you have been better? And now you have True. these things in life True. where you're like, there's all these shortfalls, and you're like, yeah. oh, maybe you know, I can relate that to something now. So I don't, I don't know if school does the best job at relating all of those topics that you don't necessarily like, right. related to something that you can actually, right. you know harness in on we don't have really, the resources exactly to do that, right? yeah. totally no and i'm, I'm with yeah. you there like the the basics the fundamentals and all these topics are, are just important because you see yeah. them to day to day i mean um, you could you know, we could use things like 
understanding how to balance a checkbook earlier on or manage our money. Managing money could be related to math and maybe because most of us really suck at that. A financial education course (laughs) of some sort. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that, you know, maybe, but I don't know. And some argue that that is like in planning courses and stuff like that. But I, I think we need to audit who's teaching our kids about money <laughs> it seems like, like it's kind of always person the, the person that's like just above the substitute teachers yeah. that are teaching these planning courses yeah because they don't they don't seem engaged in it at least that was my I don't, experience i don't know what planning courses are i don't because we didn't have them when i was going to school yeah so we because you had planning is. right it was like planning I, 10 yeah. and planning 11 and you did like, right, eh? you like prepared for scholarships and you resumes. prepared for oh, really? resumes and things like that but it was so it was like here's your project go off on your own and do it right. it wasn't really immersive so and if you're not a super independent if you don't have that sort of like oh yeah i'm gonna do this well you got in trouble for talking to the exactly. person next to you and it's like are you supposed to collaborate like that's <laughs> yeah, the point yeah. of no, all this funny. right that's funny so after you're in jasper you have this job what's next <laughs> how long did you do the job and and what happened i stuck after that, that i stuck with that for a couple of seasons and then and then the kind of the seasonal the seasonal town lifestyle was kind of uh i kind of it was two years was great i really enjoyed it i probably could have stuck around there and uh and 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 built a life in jasper but it, it didn't sit with me so i went back to calgary and then i got into wait actually i started waitering there too because in the off season i started to waiter how old are you about now? Uh, 21. Oh, still 21. Okay, so you only did the Jasper job for about a year. Uh, One season? So that was, no, I went I went at 19. I was in oh, Jasper. Oh, at 19, 19 seasons. 19, okay. okay. Yeah, so 21, I was back in Calgary, and I started waitering. Um, and I did that for a couple what of restaurant? years. What uh, restaurant? Divino's. Oh, okay, so uh, not like a chain or anything? No, like no, no. Okay, yeah, all, no, no I, don't, I never worked in any chains, yeah. Except for Just Harvey's. some really cool ones, except for Harvey's. Yeah, that's really a chain. <laughs> um, and, then, uh, and then that was where, from at that, around that time was when I kind of started thinking about some sort of career or something. What am I going to do? Like, I can't waiter. Waitering was great. I loved waitering. It was actually one of my favorite jobs. But I had to figure out something that was going to sustain me and and photography was something that just came along. I actually was just reading a, I was, I read Photo Life magazine. It was the kind of thing, and I saw an ad for it, and I was like, oh. It was a school in Victoria called Western Academy of Photography, and uh, I thought, oh, that sounds cool. I looked it up and started doing my research. And I thought this is one. So school. It's funny you brought up school because school. I did a year of, I did a year of college too in business college right after high school. Oh, so. interesting. <laughs> And I, I, I did a year at Mount Royal, and that was about all I could. That was about all I could take. I realized that business, I so that it was funny. It was because it was like so business isn't really for me, right? Like I took bigger one year of business commerce, and it didn't fit. Like this economics actually was. I was quite interested in economics, but other than that, labor relations and there was all these other courses. It was just like wow, this I can't. I don't have the focus, right? Mm-hmm. So that was. Uh, so fast forward. Um, I'm looking at this one-year commercial photography for uh, photography program. Super intense, twelve months. You're in, you're out. That's all you need to learn is one subject: photography. Perfect. And I thought, oh, this is good. So I did all paperwork, got all the student loans, and away I went. And I moved there in '98 to do that. So what that month? Was, moved there in August, September '98. Oh, okay, cool. I was just, I was born in '98. I want to see if it oh, no lines kidding, up with eh? my. Oh, date yeah. of birth. No, that would be the times we. That would be right when we came immigrated from Romania. Right when we came to 
Oh, really? Canada. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know you came Around from August. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Cool. So, yeah. Anyway, so photography, you finished that. What finished was your, that, yeah. What was your first kind of glimpse into uh, marketing? Did you have any, like, business ventures when you were a kid? Like, were you ever, like, hustling stuff? Like, selling? No, I don't know. Not that I can think no? of. No, I didn't really do any business ventures as a kid. No. No. I was, like, I was building forts and creating so you're more creating, of a, yeah, you're more more the creator type. Yeah, okay, yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, because I mean, it's just like it's interesting that dynamic of you were great when they put you on the floor at uh, Stitches. Yeah, but and, that's because it was people based and social. I was just gonna service. say, yeah. yeah so the, yeah. the social Helping aspect of it, too, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you were less interested in business as an all encompassing topic. Yeah. You were more into the people side of it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Everything yeah. that makes up creativity. Well, Lights off. Whoa. Blackout. <laughs> That'll happen a That'd be funny times. if we all traded spaces. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. Yeah, or change clothes. We all change shirts. Really just creep people out. Yeah. yeah. Totally. What yeah. just happened there? So how did the, the course go then? It was how awesome. How did you enjoy it? Oh, man. It? Like, that was there? sort of liberating for me because uh, I kind of left behind. You know, I kind of started, I, I was waitering and I was, you know, I was playing a lot. Like I was out a lot doing all kinds of things and just having a great time, but it was just, there was no end in sight. And it was like, I really needed to find some new habits, some healthier habits. Um, You know, partying is just something that can just really, it can really take people down the wrong path, right? So I I could see myself going that way, Um, especially working in the bar. I was working in a a bar environment too, Mm -hmm. so. It becomes easy in that environment. Oh man, yeah. Because it's almost justified all the time. Yeah. And so I actually had to leave some people behind too. Like I couldn't even maintain relationships with them because it was just, they were just sort of stuck in this sort of, you know, vicious cycle. So I had to leave some people behind and it was really good. It was really good timing for me and I broke away. So I was 21 when I left for Victoria, for Victoria. So moving, I also moving to a completely new province and on an island where I'm, you know, we're separated by water and it was a really great fresh start for me. And, um, and actually, that's where I met my wife there that year. Okay. She was in photography school as well. Oh. So we had our first date in New Year's Eve that day. And uh, we're still together after all that. Super cool. Yeah, yeah. It's great. So that was a really good, it was a real turning point for me in life. Because um, I was, I had started a career, you know, uh, met my wife. And so it was a really good turning point. And so we stayed in Victoria for seven years after that. I loved it. I loved Victoria. And uh, started, uh, so the program finished and made some really amazing friends too. And actually, it was short after that, I actually started, uh, I started a graphic design program, I think the year after that. So graphic design was actually called, back then was called desktop publishing. We wanted desktop to touch on this, like how it's evolved <laughs> over the years. Oh my so. God. So I, so I came out with this photography pro, uh, diploma. And a bunch of skills and, and um, started working immediately. Like my first gig was working with a modeling agency in Victoria. Kind of it's a small one, but I did all their headshots and did all their sort of model portfolios. Um, and that was really fun. Um, uh, and I worked in a photo lab and my wife worked in a photo lab and you know, actually a transparency lab for slides. Yeah. Because um, that was all film. I, I learned in film and paper and chemicals and right. Was, did you have? Did like, you have the classics? Did you have your own <laughs> business or did you? Like, yeah, I was freelancing. You yeah. were freelancing. Yeah. Okay, cool. Was there like a website that was like designed to like you could go into a directory at that time or anything? There or? was no internet. 
Oh, this was prior to that. <laughs> what? Well, didn't you say '99? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, but it wasn't really. The, it was internet there, wasn't but it really wasn't really big. what it is today. Yeah. Right? Not everybody used it. So with when desk- did the internet actually happen? I, don't I think the internet was like mid '90s. I think it was like yeah, okay, but it was only it was only nerds. Like right. I mean, right. until like Yahoo not, and Google yeah, became popular in the it didn't, early 2000s. Yeah, it didn't have the same utility as it does now. Like no, not even no. close. Obviously, it revolutionized the world. Yeah, but. exactly. So were there like newspaper directories then where you would go in like how did you market your how did you market your yeah, freelancing how did business services? how did business work then well so the job i got for the modeling agency was because when we were we had a we had a modeling section for our our program mm-hmm. and so that modeling agency supplied us with models to use and then as students and then um those that the woman of the own the agency asked me to come and work for her because she just she just loved what what I had done for her models, so she asked me to come and, and work for her. So that's how that happened. So uh, I would have to say that it was all relationships is what got jobs. Interesting. Kind of goes uh, coming goes around that circle of communication and, yeah. and social yeah. And networking. Yeah, yeah. Like you didn't you didn't look for a job on the internet. Oh, and so I okay. So I finished that. I finished the photography course. Then I took this three month desktop publishing course and i learned photoshop 2.0 that was on a computer then that oh everything was on the computer oh yeah okay. computers was, was it on the was, internet wasn't oh right okay yes computers versus internet right yeah, <laughs> yeah. they're not the same <laughs> they're thing not, they're not synonymous <laughs> in, in 1998 they feel like they are but yeah <laughs> was this on a mac or on uh, a windows oh max or, yeah yeah, on mac. yeah, okay, yeah. Cool. old school mac imac was, yeah no before imac before, before imac like, even. The, it was the big ass monitor and the box <laughs> yeah yeah it was oh, really man. but and it was and floppy disks the floppy disk. What was floppy the, remember those? This is, this is, yeah, so I do. Funny. This is my favorite thing to ask, though. What was the storage capacity on that computer? Oh, my God. Well, the computer, I don't know, but I know the floppy disks were like two megabytes. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so if you Getting had a large like a document. That's one text right message. <laughs> yeah. So we would have a, if you had a, if you had a large document, like uh, moving forward when I was in my job and I did like an annual report. We would have to when we were preparing it for printing. We would have to segment it, right? So you would you would have your file and you'd be like, segment, and then it would go, insert disk one, and then it would go, and then you go do something else, whatever, and then it would go, bing, insert disk two. Twelve discs later, I'm not kidding you. Twelve discs later, and then you lastly fan those together take them down to the printer and they're like okay and then they do the opposite <laughs> uh, and then you know you just you just hope that it puts it all back together in the, the same, same way that it's not like you know transporting somebody from one planet to another oh, and they switch parts right anyway no usually worked out but what a process when you think about what it was now we went from floppy disks to uh there was another one called um it was a bigger disk, but it was a zip drive. A zip drive, I think. Anyway, yeah, Much it's come a long intensive. way. Oh my god, it's come a long way. <laughs> it's really cool to have seen all these transitions from from with the, with in technology um, so quickly and too. For, and, and photography too, because I you know I lived I learned on old school paper chemicals, and then in in the early two thousands had to trans transition into digital, and actually mm. we a lot of people left the industry because of that you know they were just like they just weren't willing to make the jump so we're talking like picture and then like immediately you get the physical copy that comes out or what well that's polaroid 
So okay. that's pretty. That's old school, actually. Okay. That's people have been using Polaroids. So before for, digital, what were you doing then? You'll film. So you'd you'd take put film in your camera and you yeah. take your pictures and then you take them to the lab and the film gets processed and then you get your negs back and then from your negs you choose your make your choices so you can contact sheets and then you make your choices and then you do a print and so what there was, was, no it, what was the editing file. what was the editing process for that how there was you, no editing you couldn't edit you just what you see is what you get <laughs> you had to know what you're doing that's it crazy. was an unfiltered life <laughs> oh my god yeah and you would act we would actually there was i worked for i was assistants for commercial photographers and we would do a shoot so you'd set up this shoot and it would be like um a day of setup and then you when it's time to shoot then you would shoot polaroids so we would shoot Polaroids on a two and a quarter camera off the back, and I'd be loading camera. You know, it could be a Hasselblad or or, uh, or whatever. And I would be we'd be looking at Polaroids, and you know, we we're pulling off Polaroids. You know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, fixing the lights, adjusting the lights. Then once we we're happy with the Polaroids, then the photographer would load the film into the back, and then he would take uh, he would take couple two or three rolls of that nothing would really change it would just be multiple exposures of that same setup hmm. okay a couple underexposed couple overexposed right down the center then we would take one roll to the lab and we would have them process one roll and then we would bring that so that would take you know a few hours and we get the film back and he'd look at it and okay well let's let's change the process processing time to adjust the outcome like it was really technical like it was crazy how far we've come in that regard um, and then you're also super dependent on these people in a photo lab who are doing their job right and they're keeping their chemicals clean and they're watching the tanks and the film doesn't get stuck in the rollers because that would happen so that's why you took so many extra rolls and you didn't process them all at the same time you held right. them back so that if something went wrong it was risk management all the time, completely. And then, yeah, and then finally you'd get your your final your final um, images, right? And then those would eventually have to be they're either um, they'd have to be drum scanned, and the that, that was the scanning. So they would tape these to a drum, uh, a cylinder, and then that would be scanned several several times, and it would come out in plates: the so cyan, magenta, yellow, and black plates. And then those would be used for reproduction. It's like he's speaking in tongue right now. I know, right? Say, I'm like, I'm so lost right now. It's so, it's I super can't even cool, believe I like, remember all that stuff. I, That's so weird. I do remember like taking photos. Like we would take photos and have to take them to the photo lab and stuff. But just the whole chemical aspect of it and yeah. the tanks and all that. That's like, yeah. That's another it's world. A toxic world. Yeah. I do like what you said, though, about risk management. Like business has become, it's not always about just making things more efficient or easier it's about managing the risk like mm -hmm. mitigating those risks so it's kind of yeah. interesting you had to do so much extra just in order to make sure that you weren't wasting so much time but also yeah. getting a good product so it was a, a balance of everything yeah 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 and so many you had to really have a lot of skills in the room right or in in the process not so in the room but you had your the photographer you had assistants you couldn't actually be a commercial photographer without an assistant because there was so much too that much it, going too on. Too much going on all the time. Okay. Right? So you, you, so, and it was big bucks back then in commercial photography. Hmm. Yeah. So and you got what? to hang out with models. Hang out with models. Yeah. Must have been hang a good out gig. with celebrities sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Might take up photography, Shelby. <laughs> 
and transport yourself back 20 back, years like yeah. back to the early 2000s yeah that one's gonna yeah. do a little bit more work i'll talk to my buddy elon musk and see what we can do <laughs> you're supposed you to want to go into the future <laughs> yeah, oh that's right, right. So I know you want to take us to Mars, but can you take me back to 1999? <laughs> just, just first, just, just first. On the way. Yeah. On yeah. the way. So uh, what came next after that? How did how did your career okay. take so, off? So yeah, your well, first graphic business? design, I think graphic design. So once I, I merged, so I, I took photography and I learned graphic design. Okay. And I merged those two things together. And they were really sort of um, supportive of each other because... You know, whenever you run into people, like somebody needs a photograph taken up for some purpose, you know, particularly in business, it's either product or it's a people picture or they need some architecture done or, and then, and then they need something to do with it. So in, in most cases, well, especially back then, um, the, the first, the first need was not to put it on a website. The first need was to put it in some sort of print design document. So a brochure or a business okay. card or something like that the web the internet or the web was really not where people thought first where things are going to go like they do today if there was no social media there was none of that so it was always about putting it in some sort of print form so it was so once you could actually one because i could actually take the photograph and now i could help them build their brochure it was like oh great you can do that too awesome so those two married together were really great they really support each other and i think that's how i started Putting, connecting the dots around marketing too because I was like having to ask questions like well what's the brochure for and getting the content and setting it all up and that was kind of the how, that was the, the learning process for bringing um, bringing those two things together um, and then starting working on bigger projects so but right after uh, graph after I finished that graphic design course um, the program um, department head got a call from one of the ministries in government in Victoria and they were looking for um, some graphic design a graphic designer and they asked for their top three students to come and submit a, a resume so I was number two of the top three so there I've gone now from being 50% student to now being top of the class because I find something I like Right. Yeah, you're able to sink your teeth into it. Yeah, so I got to uh, apply for that job, and I got interviewed, and had a portfolio. And um, what's funny is, is that I became good friends with uh, the people that I worked with there. Actually, I did get the job, but I was told later that uh, I wasn't given the job because of my portfolio or my skills. I was given the job because of my personality. And they thought I'd be a good fit for their team. Do you remember which teacher told you uh, that you were disruptive and too social? What her <laughs> name was? Just, just name, just name one. Uh, the one that was too disruptive. Uh, let me think. Oh, it's probably Mr. McClure. Mr. McClure, are you listening? <laughs> did you just, did you just hear which skill got him the job? <laughs> I hope I'm, you're listening, I'm Mr. Mr. McClure. <laughs> I still respect and if you're if, if you're not if you're not living anymore you rest in peace please but that's funny we assume he's died because he was so much older right but yeah. he was probably only like 25 when right when i was in school but stay healthy mr stay healthy. <laughs> yes uh, anyways so that's, that's awesome that's really that's cool, cool that you were able to like that was having the the blend of just yeah. the creative skills that you were actually good at but now also the 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 people skills and the social element which really is not just back then but currently it's becoming more and more 
uh, prominent that that's what people are actually hiring on yeah. now is are you a people person yeah can, do you have people can skills? you can can i spend eight hours a day with you and yeah. come out of it feeling like oh that was a good day you know yeah. like somewhat energized rather yeah than yeah completely beaten down yeah yeah exactly yeah Interesting. So, how did that job go? Oh, that was really good. That was a fun job. I really liked it. It was a, it was government. So there was a really, there's a learning union? curve there too. Oh, yeah, I'm back. Hey. Back in the union job, right? <laughs> yeah. My dad was super. Dad, fun. what's up? <laughs> Guess what I got? Another one. But this time, I actually like what yeah, I'm doing. I get to be creative. I'm not an assistant uh, property tax assessor. Yeah, oh my god. <laughs> What a title, eh? What a title, man. Yeah, that was a, I loved that job. It was really fun. So it was a communications branch of uh, Ministry of Energy Mines and Petroleum Resources. So okay. kind of a dry content matter, <laughs> but I got to... What did you take pictures of? Uh, I did. We went. I went on the field and did pictures of uh, you know, hydroelectric dams and mines and cool. um, all over BC, and we put those into an annual reports. And uh, so I did that. So I, yeah, that was cool. I got to actually bring my photography skills with me. But I primarily was a junior graphic designer. So I sat at a desk and built things. Um, so turned what was dry and pretty much boring content matter and made it appealing and uh, attractive and made it where people wanted to read it or pick it up, right? So, so like you built brochures, yeah, and, built brochures, brochures and, and annual reports and ads and all kinds of things for the for the government. Where were the ads primarily run back then? Were they you, doing oh, a lot newspaper. print or newspaper. newspaper? Oh yeah, newspaper was huge. Interesting, hey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no like radio then, I guess, but not on the graphic design side. No, not in our yeah, department, okay, no, yeah. Really yeah. So was there a lot of, like, it was mostly newspaper or was there a lot of direct mail? Well, like what was uh, there was, the, well, they would do things like if they had initiatives and they were going to be promoting, like they were, I think they were doing a lot of overseas promoting of BC back then that was open for business concepts. So they would, uh, they would take all this material to, to other countries and promote BC to the world. Right. How about magazines? Uh, probably magazines. Yeah. Probably okay. every time you see sort of initiatives that the government's got and they're trying to promote something and. So that was where we actually started. That was about then we started adding website addresses to advertising, so that mm. you could people could get more information. They could go to the internet because it was around that time that they started. About two thousand or what? Uh, no, this is prior. This was probably still prior. Oh, this is probably 99? ninety. This is probably. When did I say? Oh, I'm sorry. You know what? Seven I went minutes. to Victoria in ninety one, not ninety eight. I moved to Calgary in ninety eight. Sorry, That's back okay. up ten years. So this is probably 95, 96. So that makes sense why there weren't computers in 91. I was sorry, 91. Yeah. All right. There okay. was computers, dude. Oh, sorry, internet. No internet. Internet. I'm sorry. I keep blending the no two. Interweb. <laughs> no, no interweb. No interwebs. <laughs> the interwebernet. <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, that makes more sense. Sorry. Yeah, that was out of context. Yeah. No, no worries. Okay. So yeah, 90. This was 95, 96 that I was working for the government. Okay, and then you move. You said you moved back to you moved back to Calgary, or you moved to yeah. We went moved back to Calgary. Actually, um, we did a bit of a. So I was at the government for just under three years, and then there was a massive downsize. There was an economic downturn, so they did a massive downsize, which forced me. uh, It was uh, right mid late nineties. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, which forced me out of the government, or I'd probably still be there today. Right, right, like. because I'd found a creative environment, but so it forced me out. And uh, so <laughs> Friday, I was told that it, it was downsized, and I got a little severance. And then they said, "Okay, so Friday." So I'm still working in this office, and then they, I'm leaving Friday is my last day, and everyone's, you know, 
there's a I wasn't the only one there was a lot of people leaving and so they're like okay and my boss called me in and she said she goes okay so give me a call on Monday because we got to finish that report and I was like oh what she goes and we'll just we'll just set up your contract as a, as a contractor uh, but give me a call on Monday and we'll get it all sorted out so I left on Friday and on Monday I was starting as a, a contract worker instead interesting for the same people for the same Doesn't job that pay more uh, way more <laughs> yes boom like well i was like wow this is awesome so i had to go out get you know i had to get all get I, so i took the severance package i bought a computer and set myself up and so i i think i'm exaggerating friday to monday but it was basically within two weeks of leaving my my job i was now a contractor working for the government back for the same people i was working for as an employee Interesting. Now I'm freelancing. Now I'm now I'm like now I'm running my own business. Now you need a business. Yeah. So now I'm now I'm this is all this is all a learning experience for me. Is now I'm running my own now I'm running my own show. But that was the turning point for me being going from being an employee to being um self-sustaining business so owner. So now I want to know what's running through your head because you're a contractor now you've yeah. got freedom you don't you're not tied down to a certain spot so no. the first thing that pops into your mind is i can live anywhere i'm gonna go to calgary oh, <laughs> like <laughs> i know right you wondered what i was thinking right so uh yeah i did that for a couple of years and then uh it was actually what what pulled me back to calgary was uh family illness so okay it wasn't really by choice it wasn't really my first it wasn't my okay. it was my last my last thought right but what we originally done is my wife and i had taken some we took the summer off um because i could now uh and i we put our stuff in storage and we did a big road trip throughout bc and we went all over the place looking for a new home we were, where were we going to root right um and vernon was one of them we drove around vernon we drove around Kelowna, we drove around salmon arm we drove around all over B interior BC, we went down to Naramata and we went to Grand Forks and we went Greenwood and we just we did went everywhere and tried to figure out where would be the best place to land. Because actually, my dad was in Seminar at this time and okay. he had cancer, so that was kind of the it was really the the push was to get off the island so that we could be more accessible. Mm -hmm. So we were that's why we were looking in the interior to be sort of somewhat close for for that. And then we just couldn't find anything because things weren't great. There was not a lot of work at that time. So uh, eventually a friend of mine um, called from Calgary and she said, uh, we live in a duplex and the other half just came up for rent and I can get you in there. And so this, it was, there was no vacancy in Calgary at that time, but mm -hmm. there was lots of work. So the economy was great Moving. in Calgary, but there was no vacancy. So right. they said, you should snap it up because it's like 500 bucks a month. And it was a great spot. So we did it. Much to my... Um, I, know. I know, right? Can you imagine? 500 bucks a month. Holy yeah. smokes. Okay. So that was 98. So that was when we moved back to Calgary. It was all we moved was then. And then that way, at least that we were... We, I could drive to Salmon Arm in seven hours. Whereas being on the island... Totally it was different. totally different. It's right? a day at least. Or two. Yeah. The ferry and yeah. The, yeah, if you do the ferry early in the morning. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So that was kind of the, that was the motivation for that. And plus, I, my mom was in Calgary and I, I had lots of family in Calgary. Nobody had moved to Vernon at that time. So, so we did, went through all that. My dad passed away and then uh, 
we were rooted in Calgary and I had actually started um, freelancing in Calgary. So now I'm building a new business, but now it's in Calgary. And that's when I took up some assisting work for some commercial photographers and that kind of cool. taught me a lot about commercial photography was that. I'd taken it in school, but had hadn't really applied a lot of it. And so that was really good. I had a lot of fun doing that. Yeah. Did you bring on any employees or anything during your freelancing or were you no. all on your own? No, I was completely um, solo freelancer. What kind of branding did you do? Like, did you have a name or anything like that? Or was Yeah, it just... my company in Calgary my, uh, was Four Eyes Visual Designs. Four Eyes. Yeah. <laughs> like wrote, played on the whole, uh, what I was called as a kid, the, the bullying. Yeah. Put the, brought the bullying to the front and capitalized on it. Interesting, <laughs> eh? Because you had glasses. I had glasses, yeah. yeah. Okay. Actually, oh, I took a picture of my what I look like in grade three. Oh yeah, we'll yeah. post it. We'll post it along with your. Oh, episode. I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> I was just gonna show you guys. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, man. All right, after when we're off the air. <laughs> um, that's no, cool. that's 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 cool that you brought it to the surface. I'm I'm a firm believer in that as well. Yeah, anything yeah. that's like a anything that's at a, as a shortcoming, you laugh along with it. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. you gotta laugh at yourself. Yeah. Can't dwell on it. No, no. So yeah, that was the first. That was the name of the company then, and um, and then we uh, of course I told you my wife met my wife in in photography school, so she was also a photographer. Um, but she was more, she liked to be the, she's a steady Eddie. She had the job in Calgary and mm-hmm. she worked in a photo lab as well. And then she met a, a wedding photographer in the photo lab and she got a job assisting him. Mm-hmm. And then, so she was doing that on the weekends and I had no interest in being a wedding photographer. Right. None. In fact, like Didn't when you, like when that. I went to photography school, it was like, I'm going to work for National Geographic, <laughs> travel all over the world, right? Like I, you say these things, right? And yeah. it's like. You don't even have no idea what you're talking about. I'm right gonna now. be taking pictures of elephants in Africa. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm on the front line in I'm, Somalia. Like I'm I, gonna I, live with the gorillas. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I had no idea. And then you, then I soon learned that you actually have to like finance all those adventures on your own, and then submit. There's very few staff photographers in National Geographic. But anyway, that was private contractors, right? Yeah, exactly. So. Um, so I don't know, I forget where I left off. You didn't want to do weddings. Oh, I didn't want to yeah, do weddings. Yeah, so yeah, Caroline was... came home one day and she was like, I, I love this shooting wedding. She loved it, right? Because it's the style. Like this was the emergence of the photojournalistic style of wedding photography, which was loose. And so you just documented it. You didn't really manipulate it or contrive it. You just shot what was happening, right? You, you manipulate, contrived portraits so that they had something, but the rest of it was just candids and, Mostly black Action and white, shots. and we were shooting color or film. Still back, in, mm-hmm. this is uh, this is in ninety nine, two thousand, right? So right. we didn't, I, we didn't actually make the transition to digital till about two thousand and four, because it was pretty sketchy in those first few years, right? Right. And most people, most photographers were kind of really biding their time until you know the proof was in the pudding. In fact, I, some guys actually thought it'll never actually make the full transition because they were firm believers. You in see that. how the world works, yeah. isn't it? So the most, the bulk of us were just sort of waiting until the gear was a affordable because it was ridiculous and, um, and that it was going to match the quality at least not, not even not to exceed it, just match the quality that film provided. So anyway, she was really psyched. She was like, this is cool. We could do this. We could, we could shoot weddings like this. And so anyways, she got me in on this so that 
her and I were a team working for this other photographer. His name was Perry Thompson. He was a great guy. He, had a, he, he was a visionary for the wedding industry in Calgary. Anyway, he took, um, he took us on and we were a, a duo. We were a dynamic, you know, uh, husband-wife duo. Right. And we went out and started shooting weddings. And so it became actually, it actually really was fun. And we sort of embraced it. And then, and then we broke away and started our own business called Bliss Photographic in Calgary and uh competed in him against him <laughs> oh fun <laughs> yeah i know that's the bane of photographer's existence you teach them everything you know and then they leave and, and compete, compete against, you. against you it's like Ugh. but actually we we, we, they, we stayed friends actually after that because there's there was more than enough work like the wedding issue was exploding back then it was just a giant it was like the real estate bubble right it was the wedding bubble and it was just it was just getting bigger and bigger. It was crazy. There Especially wasn't a, in a booming economy, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Calgary, big city. There was lots going on. Got yeah. all this extra cash. You're like, what are we going to do with it? Let's have a wedding while we're skydiving. Yeah, like, yeah, do, right. Do pockets. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so we embarked and we, we launched Bliss Photographic. So this is where the internet, this is where we embrace the internet because um, it was still relatively new. And people weren't really capitalizing on it. 2000 and... This is 2000. 2000. 2000. Oh, yes, it was early. So, um... But right during the dot-com bubble, right? Like, exactly. right before it. So, yeah. when uh, when we were building this business, Bliss Photographic... So, I, of course, I'm a graphic designer, so I can brand it all and do all the work and create all the publications. And Did you have to jump into web design, too, now? Like, well, no, I work? didn't. I, okay. I actually was I was actually part of a, a group called the Young Entrepreneurs Association, mm -hmm. and there was a gal in that group, and she was a web developer, web designer. And so she, uh, she was the first one I ever met, and I was like, you do that? I'm like, I'm starting a business. So she said, I'll help you. So she helped me build this, and then uh, marketing for weddings was critical to be in the trade show business, be in the trade shows, the oh, wedding right, trade shows. Yeah. Okay. So um, I couldn't get in because – no one left photographers never left the trade shows because they were that's how they met brides and uh i had to think of a way to get in there and i was talking to the coordinator and i said do you have any internet businesses like internet-based businesses and she says no it's a new category i'd love to open you what do you is that what you do and i go well yeah we shoot weddings but we also what we do is we put all their wedding out we provide a, a digital wedding album service so that people can see their their pictures on the internet oh that's fantastic what's it called and i was like well we haven't really i'm just i am just reeling this out as i'm talking to her on right. the phone and i'm like now i gotta make this happen because she said i'll put you in. yeah you can be in the show she was i just need all your information and so i now i got a spot in the show but i got a new shtick and i got a figure out how to roll this out so, so you're able to like be creative and differentiate yourself from the other photographers yeah you weren't just a normal exactly so we we created photobliss.com cool and that was the name of our company was photobliss.com but behind that was <coughs> this photography <clears throat> couple that was and we that's but we launched it as photobliss.com so it was a service we actually offered to brides and grooms regardless of who their photographer was if they wanted their wedding album online to show to their friends and family who didn't come to the wedding, right. they would come to us. So. Interesting. So you were like, photobliss.com was the hub of all these people's wedding yeah, albums. It could, yeah, it could be. That was the guys. It never really went that direction because oh, okay. no no other photographer wanted to, wanted to sign up, right? Because at the time, it was like, 
well, I'll just do it myself. So it kind of it kind of started a bit of a trend a trend in that in that area where photographers just started doing that, doing that right. putting the photography in their you know, on their websites. But it was what it was way. It's all I, my goal was to just get into the bridal show so that we could actually access some wedding clients. Anyway, I did, fifteen years later, I was I was a wedding photographer for fifteen years after that. Really? Yeah. Yeah. The guy who said he would never, never get be into a wedding. wedding. I know. <laughs> it was very lucrative, a lot of fun. I actually probably learned more about customer service and building relationships through that, uh, directing people, right. managing people. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, it seems more risky to go into that type of business when you're focusing your business on relationships because mm -hmm. it's sort of make or break. Weddings are very important. And there's important. only one chance. Stress. Um, yeah. So really you really took that on with a with a full a full intent to, to capture the best. Yeah. And then when you perform, I'm sure your referrals came steady after that. Oh yeah, it was yeah we were we were constant we were playing we were in the top three wedding companies like people we were go tos. Right. And then I, so I grew it and I actually had. Um, not employees, but I had subcontractors. So I had, at any given moment, we probably had two or three teams shooting on weekends. So interesting. 35 to 45 weddings per summer being shot. And, wow, 35. Yeah, yeah that's crazy. That's insane. I know, it's nuts. Like from May to November. Wow, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. a lot of weddings packed in. Yeah, yeah. So did so, you move this business? to vernon then no i sold it i sold that because you can't really move that you can't move um goodwill from one city to another right so yeah. how long was this business in calgary then because you said you did it for uh we left there well it was five years five years okay yeah. cool and then you packed up and moved to vernon what sparked that kind of yeah. decision yeah. oh that was that was all family driven so that was you know just because your dad was in salmon arms well or? yeah no he was because he'd passed away and he passed away in 98 um, and then Carol and I got married in 99 and then we started bliss in 2000 and then, and then right around there we started having family. So around my son, my first son was born in 2002. Right. So that was the catalyst really was that I also had another family member. My niece was, had moved to Vernon to, um, to open a denture clinic and she had, a she had a baby girl so my sister was in calgary and she wanted to move to be with her her granddaughter so my niece was the first my sister moved and my sister and i are really close she, even though we're 20 years apart her and i are really super close um so they moved and then another niece moved here and then it was just like the everyone was having kids and nucleating in vernon right we were like i was like we gotta go so we would come here for new year for thanksgiving and Easter and all that stuff and and then um, we came for Easter one year and every time we were here we would go like looking at houses and we would be dreaming let's move here let's do it right and every time we go home we'd be like why do we do that like why do we do that to ourselves like we got to make a decision we either do it or we don't like and if we don't let's just decide we're gonna stay in Calgary and raise our family and this is where we're gonna be and stop dreaming about it or, or if it. we're going to dream about it let's just do it right so it was that it was actually easter it was easter that year of 2005 and we were here and we saw a house we liked and we put an offer on it and Boom. it was accepted 
and we went home and we put our house up for sale and it was sold in three weeks and we were here by the end of july wow it was weird it was crazy and then i started red door photographic here red door photographic yeah, right yeah. yeah so how did that start what was your angle 2001 2002? yeah 2000 yeah we moved here 2000 and I'm sorry. Well, I'm get my dates right? all screwed up. 2005. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 2005. Okay. Yeah. 2005. So red door photography. Yeah. So red door photographic and design. Yeah. Okay. So what was your angle with that? Like, because you had been doing wedding photograph uh, photography. Yeah. And so what did you want to do with this? Was there a change? Like, well, what did you want this one to be? I wanted there to be a change, but I knew that emerging into a new into a new market, um, I knew the wedding industry really well. And I said, I got to stick with this. Plus, it was really actually, you know, it was a really perfect fit for our lifestyle because we had young kids. So my son, my oldest son was three and the youngest was just born. He was only two months old when we moved here. Um, So, you know, working weekends was not a big deal. It was actually perfect. I would, we would work, I would work because Carolyn stayed home. So I was shooting weddings independently and I was hiring assistants. So, um uh, shot weddings on the weekends and then had my weekdays off and we would do the, you know, we would do all the family stuff Monday to Friday and I'd work right. on weekends and I worked from home too. So it was really a perfect fit lifestyle wise. Right. And, um, and so I mean, immediately we immersed ourselves in, in the wedding industry and started going to the trade shows and we, I was working immediately, right? Cause there was boom, the boom carried through here too. It was happening mm-hmm. down here as well. And uh, stayed with, uh, yeah, we were, I was busy the first summer, not the first summer we were here, but the following year. Um, and then that was when I started getting involved in the business community here. So I joined the Chamber of Commerce was one of the first things I did. Okay. And then I think it was that year I got the new business of the year award for that. Wow. Year. But I came in Calgary. So here I'm like, what was I, 35 <coughs> something? And I came in from a very competitive market like Calgary, and I just came in like guns a-blazing, like thinking that I'm going to, I'm expecting the same kind of competitive and level from other photographers or other. No, they're totally complacent when I got it. Everything, there was, there was like, there was the people were here, and there was really no, dis- there was nothing disruptive going on until I came in and started disrupting stuff <coughs> and, you know, and, uh, Pay attention. <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden it was like, what's going on? So I just, Good old capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> I like exactly. it. It's funny. Hey, no, seriously. Yeah, honestly, yeah, it's, 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 it's just, just basic meritocracy. Honestly, you come in, you, you have a new way of doing things and yeah, totally you've got a hustler mentality yeah. or you're coming in, whereas everybody else is you know, comfortable where they are. Yeah. Yeah, it's it complacency is. is it's a it's a that's a threat for business. It's dangerous. It, yeah, it's very dangerous. Being comfortable is one of the yeah, most yeah, dangerous yeah. things. You always got to stay on your stay a step ahead, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really key. Anticipate changes. And change your shirts. <laughs> oh, <laughs> darkness number two <laughs> lights up. Uh, so you were disrupting, and how long did Red Door persist for? Uh, that lasted until um, 2010, so another five years. Okay, and you sold that one as well. Yeah, I sold that one as well. Okay, great. Yeah. And then when was Sproing born? Oh, so in you know, in and amongst that mix, uh, I started when I first got here. I also co-started uh, the Vernon Bridal event. Okay, really? Yeah. Interesting. Because there was no bridal show here, and I had to go do all the Kelowna shows, and uh, I was like, 
way. Well, actually, there was. There was like a welcome wagon bridal mm-hmm. show. And I, I was like, why is there not a bridal show here? And so um, uh, I went and saw my friend Barb, who had a bridal shop here, a wedding dress bridal yeah. shop. And I said, we got to do a bridal show. Like, let's do one. So she's like, yeah, let's do it. So we kind of teamed up and we started the Vernon Bridal event. That's and, awesome. Because uh, there wasn't one. And that is that just had its 11th year and we've just recently passed the torch on to new owners as well. So yeah, I went sure. to actually, I went to it uh, this year. Did you? With, uh, yeah, yeah. Lindsay and PK. Yeah. Oh yeah, PK and Tina Lindsay. Yeah, yeah, they're great. Yeah. And uh, it's got a whole new, it's got a whole new life to it now. And I'm really glad That's it. Awesome. I didn't, I really I didn't even glad. realize that you were the, you were the, the founder the founder of that. Yeah. So 10 years. Eh? 10 years. Yeah. Holy even smokes. after it wasn't even in the wedding industry, we were still running it. Yeah, I know. Because it was so like people needed it. Right. And yeah. so it was a good business on, you know, uh, in the winter. Um, but it was time. It was like, I'm like, Ooh. I kind of felt like it just needed, it either need, either needed to completely revamp it. It needed, an, it needed new, new, new life. life and new blood. Brought that's into it. that's good for you to have seen that and then yeah. decided that you know, you're not maybe the person I'm not to take the this to the next no. level. And I'm not even in the, mar- I'm not even in that market or in that industry you're... anymore. So I don't really, and I'm, and I, I'm sure it's changed. I wouldn't even know because I don't really pay attention mm-hmm. to that what to that market anymore. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's changed. It's a different generation, and so and they just killed it this year. Right? They did a great job. Yeah, I I mean I had a good time. We were there for we were there for both days. It was uh, it was an interesting dynamic on both sides. So it's good. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. So that happened too. So then uh, that was business number three that we sold over the years. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Oh, and then 2000. So then, uh, when when I was looking to leave, I was looking to leave the wedding industry. It was like, it really wasn't. It wasn't fitting with lifestyle. Okay. It was. It was. It was eating up my weekends. It was eating up my summers. So now all your the kids time. are getting older. Yeah, the kids are you, older, okay. and everything they are doing is on the weekends. And, right. And everything kind of. My wife and I always, always, kind of made our decisions around our lifestyle and how it fit with our family life and. And, uh, and now that we were living here and we were with a lot of family, right? A lot of family time is again, weekends, like with other family members. And so, uh, it was this decision to kind of start building the commercial side of things. And I, I think I started doing it, you know, like within a couple of years of moving here, I, I knew I needed you know, financially to get a foot in the door in the wedding industry, but that I really wanted to build the commercial side cause that's okay. where I wanted to be. But it, so that took 10 years almost to really kind of really get solidified in the business community and uh and claim my space and and migrate into a new company so 2010 was when uh, my business partner clint ingham and i um decided to merge our businesses so we met he had a web design company and i had the photography and graphic design and him and i met on a on another project and worked really well together. Um, and I had a studio space at the time, and I was looking for someone to share it with. And he was also looking for a place to park himself. So he moved in, and we just started trading clients back and forth. Um, and then eventually it was like, well, we should just merge it. Like, we should just bring it together. So um, One entity. Yeah, one entity, one company. So cool. we, we kind of toyed with whether we should go with his brand name or my brand name and decided to just go rebrand like all new and um we hired a business coach and he 
brought us through that merge and how to kind of set some goals. And, and that was a really interesting part for me was because now, you know, now I'm now I'm in a partnership, which is different. Before I was in partnership with my wife because we right. made that company together. But uh, now I'm in a totally different world. I'm in a partnership with another person, uh, merging skill sets, right. uh, merging um, our client bases, merging our policies, merging, you know, it was, it was really interesting. And bringing in a, the um, business coach was critical. I don't, I don't know how we couldn't have done it without him. Yeah. Tell us, tell us about that. So who, who is your business coach? If you're, well, okay, his name is Riel Russo, okay. uh, who is actually now, if I fast forward again, Riel, yeah. he's now our third partner because, uh, he was such a critical part of the success that eventually we started just passing all our clients through him too. Right. Because they're all in the same boat we were, right? I was I was living proof that need having uh, some business guidance was a really critical part of success, strategy and goals and forecasting and, and all those things that aren't innate to me at all. Right. And they weren't innate to Clint either. Clint was a techie. He was the web guy. And that wasn't my area either, right? I was the creative and the the social and the, the, you know, the marketing and the networking. So, um, and that's why Clint and I were a good fit together because he hated doing that stuff and I loved doing that stuff, but we had the clients and he had the tech side and I wasn't into that. So Riel was, was really great at helping us sort of build the company's foundation. And then, yeah, we just kept passing clients through him because we, Everybody was at whatever point in their business growth. They could be startup or they could be a transitioning company where they're moving from one owner to another or they could be changing hands from, you know, one generation down to the next. And right. so or they're just been, you know, they've been open for business for three or four years and they're just not where they wanted to be and they don't know why. And so whatever reason a business coach is super important and i think more people should embrace that i know and i think they think of it as a really it's an expense right it's not and it's not a cheap thing it's something that you need to invest in it right but you know you could it's, it, it would be one of those real always says it's if people could do it before before they have to call 911 right cuz that's usually when the right. business coach is called in it's 911 time it's like we need help. we need the help and it's right and you could avoid all you could avoid that moment because that's you've already you've already lost money up to that point because that's when you realize right you're losing money you could be shutting your doors any day now so that's when the emergency call comes in i need help so if people could avoid that they could actually plan and that's risk management that's what the that's what strategy is is managing risk right and it's interesting to kind of like have the second opinion that comes in because no matter how good of a business person you are, you can always have an outside eye come in and take a take sure. a look. Yeah. And there's all the time there, somebody's going to see something that you didn't. For sure, um, absolutely. It's it, it's super invaluable. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, how many times business owners kind of just go, "Oh, if I only I'd had that skill or that resource when I needed it the most," you know, and. Uh, yeah. And that's, you know, something for me is, is coming from that independent kid who thought I had to do everything right. myself and didn't ask for help. And I struggle, like the struggle I've had over the years with business, probably I struggle more in financial management. So the taxes and the 
oh my God, I had some really hard times, really hard times with finances and money. And, um, you know, like those days where you're like, is this when they claim bankruptcy? Right? Like, right. is this when you do that? And then, you know, you just, my heart wouldn't let me do it, you know, and I've, I've paid back lots of, lots of debt over the years that, you know, was, was crippling pretty much. Um, but it was, um, but it was self-induced just of lack of knowledge or lack of skills in that area. So for me, like my weakness is, is, is managing that aspect of my business. And so that's where I need help. So I had to, I had to understand that I had to ask for help. So having, asking a bookkeeper and asking an accountant to join me and help me burn my business, right? That was a critical thing. So I've never been, ever since that lesson, I've never been without a bookkeeper or a good tax person. They're critical. No, totally. And, and Real being the strategist, so what he does, he doesn't do the accounting or the bookkeeping, but he does the whole, the planning of, of managing the money and okay. how to spend the money and when to spend the money. And that's another side of the story is like having a strategy around when are you ready to hire somebody? When are you ready to buy that piece of equipment? When are you, and really being responsible to say, well, we can't afford that right now, right? And looking ahead and, and planning it out. Not if we, we can afford, we can spend it now, but if we don't, if we spend it now, then we're gonna- So it's like scaling effectively. Totally, knowing, understanding your growth, right? And planning your growth, right? And that's what, that's what he comes from, is building that strategy around, well, where do you wanna be in five years? And you back it off. Well, this is what we gotta do in year one. If we wanna be here in right, year five, right. this is what we gotta do in year one. And sometimes it's like, well, it's always work hard, but work hard, tighten your belt, spend less, do what you can with what yeah. you got. And then year two, we're gonna invest a little bit more in, in, in equipment and maybe we'll get a bigger space. And you know, he's really good at sort of monitoring that. So So if you're dealing with someone who's starting their own business, you know, first two years don't necessarily have a lot of bookkeeping or accounting knowledge, um, aside from obviously getting a business coach and having, because it, it sounds like you were kind of directed to those types of people in order mm -hmm. to, to really manage your business effectively. Yeah. So aside from spending spending whatever it is to, to get a business coach, what would you recommend for for a young entrepreneur in their first two years of business? Uh, first, for, get a good, for the money management side. You first get a good bookkeeper. Okay. A bookkeeper. You don't need an account. You need a bookkeeper. You need someone to help you uh, set up your records and your accounts and your uh, account categories so that you know where to put your receipts and start creating some really good habits okay. around that. Uh, a bookkeeper is critical because they'll help you prepare your financial documents and everything for an accountant. You don't need an accountant to help you with that. You need a bookkeeper to help you organize all that. Accountant stuff. does the final numbers. Yeah, yeah. They, they have the, to, yeah, exactly. And the more organized it is when you send it to the accountant, oh, the cheaper, yeah. cheaper it is. is. Cheaper it is yeah. and the happier yeah. the accountant is with you. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah, a good good bookkeeper is critical. Totally. Yeah, for sure. And it's it's so awesome. much so much better to do that earlier, I find, too. Oh, yeah. The sooner just like, you start that. Even though when you think, well, I'm only in my first year. It's no, like, honestly. Like, start today. Even difference. like first yeah, month yeah. or even like first month or two. Um, yeah. I'm, I mean, I've had the experience of dealing with a mess. I'm sure you have as well. Ugh. Just dealing with a mess of not having a bookkeeper and then just trying to find stuff when it wasn't put together in the right way and when it yeah. comes time for the year yeah. end. And it's just... It can be a nightmare if you don't have that stuff cleaned up in the beginning. Oh, yeah. oh my God. I've like, learned lessons with that too. It's yeah. I think we all we all will at certain points. 
It's a painful process. Bite the, bite yeah. the, bu- bite the bullet in the yeah, beginning yeah, because yeah. it really is worth the money. <laughs> yeah. Unless you really want the experience. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> of you going don't through want that. The experience, <laughs> though, you just By don't. all means, you know, fill your boots and, uh, but yeah. 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 If you, if, yeah. here, let's, let's, let's throw it like a commercial. Do you enjoy sleepless nights? <laughs> Do you enjoy stress that you can't handle anymore? Do you enjoy multi-thousand dollar bills that you yes. didn't need before? You enjoy Revenue Canada calling you <laughs> exactly. every three days. Do you look yeah. forward to panic attacks? Like, just exactly. Oh, man. Yeah, no, it's, it's quite uh, the... So you've got, you've got a business coach and your business is transforming. So... For you, the business coach has been a necessary expense. Mm-hmm. It's probably become a, become a growth factor, though. Yeah. It's like he's probably, for that expense, it's an investment. You're getting a lot more return yeah. on that investment. So yeah. so what is that looking like to now? Like, how is your business transformed, and, and what do you see it doing in the future? So now we've seen, um, we went from, you know, like a two-man show to now we're uh, three partners. We've got five full-time staff, several several uh subcontractors that we work with from time to time so the growth has been extraordinary especially in the last couple of years the first few years was really about establishing you know what services we're providing and how we're delivering them and our processes and everything and that's another thing about that real is really great about was um developing processes for us internally the system Um, the systems yeah and um yeah the and expanding our we've been expanding our services um ongoing as as we do work for clients um and they they challenge us like hey uh can you guys do this for us and we're like well done it before well yeah i I can see why you need to do that so we'll source out some people and see if there we can find the talent to do it and then that's kind of how we end up bringing in new people whether it's on uh, as a contractor or as a new employee it's like if, we'll see, if the demand presents itself we'll find the find the resource and, and right. make it happen right like so that's that collaboration thing yeah okay. and the collaboration starts with some sort of relationship where we needed that and and as we as we develop it and we grow it it's like well now we need someone doing that permanently like we need a full-time person to do that like you know when social media was coming in it's like well somebody's got to do the social media who's going to do it i don't have time to do it you don't have time to do it so how who's going to do it right so all when every time the you know the world changes a little bit digital marketing was another one google ads and facebook ads instagram ads and okay you think about how much time one business takes to do that well we're bringing on somebody that that's her main role is doing digital ad campaign manager right so right like, yeah that's a whole business side on yeah, that's itself the now. Growth it's business, so important too. Yeah, that's grown so much in the last year. Yeah, yeah video marketing eyes. and all that we're stuff. Yeah, went into we're going into audio now too. Like yeah, uh, this stuff. Podcast. That's why we're stuff, here. Yeah. yeah, we want to capitalize on on the audio space. Yeah, such a huge space. So. But isn't it fun? That it, it always ch- it's always changing, right? Like, yeah. there's always something new coming along it's now with like the digital world. It's really it's really cool. Another yeah. reason not to get comfortable and and romantic. Right? Absolutely. Like, yeah. 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 Like while constantly in, be adapting. In, exactly. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. Either. No. No. Totally. There's always going to be somebody that's going to come along with a new idea or a new concept concept or a new way of doing things and and it's it's that that never stops somebody's always got another idea yeah so what's next for spring what do you guys got on the horizon we are uh we're going to continue uh 
we're gonna, t we're gonna we have no we have no cap on growth you know we want to grow um awesome. we want to grow to meet the demand we're not going to grow unnecessarily and that's another thing that we learned too is there's there's no you don't need to grow just for the sake of growing you need to grow because you want to deliver more value because it's because the demand is there right so um so that's our that's our vision is to grow the business continue to become um successful and profitable and uh and continue to provide the people we work with uh an ability to do what they do because they're here they're they choose to live here too right we all choose to live here we all kind of sacrifice a little bit we don't choose to live in vancouver or calgary or the big centers where we could probably all get paid a little bit more and right and get more business we want to live here we want to live here whether it's because of the lifestyle or we want to be with our families or what it is we want to do but i love that we can actually do what we love and get paid well to do it and and continue to live here as a community and i that's a bit that's a bit about for me is really i, I love the fact that we can actually um provide the work that they're passionate about and that they can sink their teeth into and they get up every day and I look forward to coming to the, to to our office and and having fun as a group you know so i get a lot of, i get a lot of satisfaction out of that no it's and really he's cool. he's quite the uh he's quite the networker i mean just in the past few weeks here we've, we've seen <laughs> we've each other so parties. much holy smoke <laughs> everywhere everywhere i go he's like <laughs> see they're shooting photos or networking or whatever yeah. it is it's great to yeah it's great to see and shake your hand at every one of these places yeah, thanks man yeah, yeah. me too no yeah. it's uh photography has been, been a really, really cool way to to um connect with the community and engage absolutely. yeah it really engaging people really especially with um with uh, all the community events like just getting those getting the photo the photos out and people share them like crazy the exposure of those events is is great and um people love the sharing of the images and there's always conversation around them like i've never seen anything else from a marketing perspective go go as as uh as rampant as photos from events or it's really cool how that no it's it takes off it's and it's awesome to see things like uh, the internet and social media come in to be able to just completely expedite the the growth and the growth is now just exponential of of how we can deliver these photos and everything yeah. it's just it's they're spreading like wildfire, wildfire. right yeah. away it's yeah. it, it's really really cool to see and like you said it it can it can really work in in a photographer's advantage yeah um, so no that's that's really cool one thing I did want to touch on as well is uh, a little bit of your uh, geeky, nerdy side. <laughs> yeah, so, there's a little bit of that too. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So um, how old would you have been when Star Wars first came out? Ten. Ten. Were you one of the first in line to see that? or? Yeah, I remember the day. I remember going to the theater and, and seeing What was Star the Wars marketing the like for that? I was always curious about that Like back then. like How did you find out that Star Wars was like in theaters? Oh, TV. TV? TV. Okay. Well, I was, yeah, Commercials I was, that's all I watched. That's all I did. That's all we had was TV. I watched yeah, right. a lot of TV. That was Just my, a few channels. That was my, my pop culture infusion was TV, right? Yeah. yeah. So like, kind of like sparked the, uh, the enjoyment of Star Wars now. And then were you like camping out in front of the theaters for the next, for the next movies or anything like that? Like uh, no, I don't think I did. No, I didn't, no, I don't think I didn't do any camping out. I don't, no, I don't recall doing that. I was thinking about, when I was, I remember one time, so the, the sci-fi and the yeah. sort of the fantasy movies, there was, when I was young, um, it was before I was 10, there was a, 
movie called Valley of the Guanches. It's a black and white dinosaur movie because I love dinosaurs too. And it was on TV and I wanted to watch it. And my mom was like, no, it's like violent and you can't watch that. And anyways, I couldn't, I couldn't, I wasn't allowed to see it. And I was completely, I was distraught. I couldn't watch this movie. And so I wrote a letter to the television station (laughs) say that, can you please put that movie on earlier next time? Because I couldn't watch it because I had to go to bed early. Oh, no. <laughs> That's Tell awesome. Me they Tell me it worked. They responded and said, yeah, we're, we'll air that movie again at such, such a date, but at 8 That's p.m. Awesome. instead of 9 p.m. And, and you got to watch, watch it. it. It was awesome. <laughs> I was so excited. So I always kind of have a thing for movies. Like, I, I, I really liked TV growing up. But I really like – and, you know – um, but I love movies. I really like going to movies. That's awesome. And, uh, Still like to go to the theaters. Yeah, yeah. I love the theater. Yeah, yeah. I love big sound. Yeah. Like, yeah. Everyone that's home, it's like... Big um, productions. Yeah. I, I try and make it... that We watch it at home. We watch movies at home, of course. But it, they're always like, can you turn the sound down? I'm like, it's not loud enough. What are you talking about? That's, like, that's me, too. Boom, like, like, oh, can you turn this down? I want to feel it shaking like, the yeah. house, you know? Like, right in my face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Want. I want to be immersed uh, in yeah, the movie. Were you ever into like comic books and stuff like that? Uh, yeah, I collected comic books when I was younger. Still so. have any? I think I do, actually. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Cool. I don't remember what they are, but I, have, I should... T- crack them all take a look I have tons and, of star wars take a look and too. ebay them because like oh yeah some of this stuff is just crazy i know uh, i used to work with a guy that's probably sitting on his retirement of comics. i have some right x-men now. x-men yeah those I've are those X-Men. are pretty popular i got a wolverine one i'm, I'm a series yeah. of x-men I, I, you know I no, have that. that's, uh, that's cool. that's star wars that's cards like the originals oh yeah original, i got a box of those yeah Who's your favorite character from Star Wars? Oh, I, it was Han Solo in the day. Really? Yeah, eh? yeah, yeah. No way. Yeah. <laughs> so are you excited for the new movie then? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm really looking forward to that one. Yeah. Yeah, you're one of the few. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm, there's I look forward new to one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's coming Solo. out in May. Solo. It's all like May 25th. The Han Solo day before my birthday. Yep. Oh no way! Yeah, there yeah. you go. That'll yeah. be perfect. Yeah. We'll snag well, some tickets. We'll go to opening night. Oh, yeah, be fine. <laughs> Solo. 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 It's, this, it's the story of Han Solo. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's young, the cool. early years. Oh, they're branching out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. These are the side stories, like Rogue That's One. Cool. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's just pretty interesting. Are you going to like uh, Avengers: Infinity Wars as well? Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. I'll go see that one. Yeah, that looks. Yeah, really I just got good. my uh, I just yeah, got my yeah. tickets opening night with. Uh, oh really? Um, yeah. Like, I don't do that for like for the Avengers. Star Wars is probably the only one that I pre-buy my tickets and go to the yes. early show, or the preview show, or whatever. Like that's the I, don't have, I haven't done that with any other. Oh um, man, Star Wars and Star Wars and Marvel. That's my that's my thing. Like I'll buy prime seats, <laughs> like the theaters. I can't believe they do that now. The theaters sell you like more expensive prime seats and I, know. I buy them it's so, so worth it though. <laughs> especially if it's really so busy it's, night like you exactly. can walk in five minutes before and yeah because you've already got your, you've already got your prime seats and you got I've the nice comfortable leather ones like the the bigger armrests they recline to I'll, I'll trust you guys on this <laughs> <laughs> but star wars is but what a, i mean what a phenomenon like i mean who knew that in 1977 right that that we'd be talking about it in oh, 2018 it's, and it's, it's so cool how relevant, yeah. it's, it's one of those things it's that brings so many generations mind. together like yeah. to go in to go and watch the kids dressed up and then they're there with their grandparents and their parents yeah. watching the movies on open yeah. night it's phenomenal to but see. my kids aren't into aren't in, they're not into star wars no? it's so funny like Dang. they're not they're just not they keep, they're into they're into their own things they, okay but um, but they're not they they just they accept that I'm a Star Wars geek and they come to the movie I book it all of us to go to these movies but yeah. they come just to 
He'll support me. Just for that's family nice. time. That's hey, nice. Nice. At, at least you, get, at least nice you can get him to come for family time. Nick got me this shirt. You see that one? Galaxy's. So it's for those listening, it's a picture of Darth Vader and says, Galaxy's best dad. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Luke, I am your father. I am your father. <laughs> I remember that moment. Because there was no there was that there was no uh, there was no um, prequel trilogy to no, like, right? know about that. It was just like so random. And it was like that was that was shocking. That was probably the weirdest. That thing was like ever, the right? most shocking moment in in film history. Was probably that yeah. Darth was Luke's father. Like how could that even be right? And then it's so cool to now see the prequels. As much as people hit like hate on the prequels, I yeah they're not the best shots in How do you cinemagraphic? Is that yeah yeah. Um, they're not the best shot movies in some ways, but man, the stories are there and the stories, the stories build up and they add to the, to the original trilogy. But I, I, you know, when I think back to 77, like what the, the way, the advancement of how advanced those movies were in mm-hmm. that era, like you, you know, my kids look at them now and you even look back, but even when I watch them now, like the new hope, a new hope, it was like, wow, that was made like 40 years ago. I know. Like I that is. Because it was it was groundbreaking, and you can still watch it now and enjoy it and like keep up with it. Like it's not like I mean I've tried to watch a lot of older movies like from the seventies and eighties, yeah. and you look at them and you're like, this yeah. is old. Like I don't want to yeah. watch this. Like it, but I would still, say even yeah. like the second set of three were yeah. weaker actually than the first. Totally, three. totally, yeah. and that's they that's were. definitely like they served their purpose. But definitely, I I totally agree with mm-hmm. you. It's just it's cool to kind of see that dynamic so it's fun for me as a having been a photographer for so many years and that loving movies and film as much as i do to now be able to we we started we integrated uh, video production that's Mm -hmm. brian a couple years ago um to be able to do that is like a dream come true for me too is like making movies is cool so and you've yeah you've loved them from a young age yeah 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 sparked that interest so right now like we're doing it commercially for clients but it would be really cool to you know even as a project to just do a um, to do like an actual movie like come up find a script put one together and do one even if it was a side project for fun be really that that is something we'll end up doing one of these days here that's that's really cool but yeah we we built uh i wanted to do it i you know i i've tried done my hand at at editing post-production editing and i suck And I just don't have the patience. I know what I want, yeah. but I don't have the patience, and it makes well, me crazy. Well, it takes sitting so, at your computer for hours and hours and yeah. hours and hours. Yeah. And the devil's in the detail when it comes to that. Yeah. Like Joe, Joe's the one that Joe does all does it. of your and he editing. is like he's, he's a, a wizard. wizard. Yeah, oh, totally. Like, it's it's um, it's amazing how he pulls it. How he he's a storyteller. Like he just loves pulling it together. So I love the I love planning <laughs> the shoots and I love lighting. So lighting's a big thing for me. I like. I like running the camera. I, I, well, I don't like running the camera, but I like setting up the shots. The camera's Jeff's the Jeff's the camera. He's he's super cameraman. He's really good. He he understands the gear. I understand it too, but he has more passion for it. But him and I together uh, are we're we're a good dynamic photo quite team. Quite the quite dynamic the. Dynamic. We're gonna have both <laughs> you guys on here. Yeah, That'll be a completely sure. different. Uh, yeah, that would be that would be, be quite really the funny. quite the hoot of a podcast. <laughs> These two are <laughs> quite the characters. Microphone and yeah, 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 yeah. That'd no, be fun. Yeah. Awesome. We, we have a lot of fun together, and we uh, we are we are. We have been a seamless duo, photo duo, since the first shoot we were on. We met, and we he needed help with the shoot because I had lights. He didn't have lights. And we got together on a shoot, and it was like we'd worked together for 10 years. You know, like it was just like, wow, that was easy. That was awesome. 
so love we've, at first sight. Yeah, we've, we've yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome, man. No. So uh, yeah, that's been that's been a great relationship over the years, and he brings such a great dynamic to the group too. So everyone's got their own cool vibe and their own skill set, and you know, like, and I, 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 you know, I've released myself of the bondage of graphic design. I don't do any of it anymore because Amanda does it because she's like a genie and uh she's incredible at it so i i just have so much respect and pride of all the people that work with us because everyone's so good at what they do and they love what they do and they're great with clients and they you know they really bring the whole culture of sprawling to to it every day you know they're set we call it we have these words that we describe ourselves as savvy and nimble and and dynamic and innovative and they gonna... they are all those things everybody is all those things yeah, no, it's it's uh, really it's quite it's it's quite awesome to see. You guys are quite the uh, quite the team. It's really really yeah. nice to be in the same room with all of you. Yeah, thanks. All the time, or even just a few of you at a time. Yeah. Well, yeah, and it's it's always a pleasure. I mean, our our real estate team came over for a shoot, and I've had a a personal shoot with you as well uh, for my headshots and stuff, and yeah. it was always a a good experience. You just walk into that you know spring, and you're like, ah, I feel at home. It's yeah. nice. It's a nice. That's good. That's so. good. I, I like to hear that. So we have to wrap up pretty soon here. We've got to get you back to, back to hanging out with your family. But we, yeah. we want to, I always like to frame, you know, a, a last couple questions. David might have another one as well. But uh, for me, I, I love to hear what you would recommend someone coming out of high school. You know, you, you didn't do so well in the high school classes. You didn't like it, but you've really, you've really come to be a successful entrepreneur and, and, and really trying to dig deep and create yeah. a, a culture and, and a, a smooth business. So what, what would you tell somebody coming right out of high school that maybe was in the same shoes as you that you know, didn't really like the school, didn't get the best grades? What would you tell them to start getting them on their way? Well, I think probably the first thing uh, is design your life the way you want it to be. Right. And I know um, we talk about wealth, right? Like your show talks about wealth. And I think you got to define what wealth means to you. So everyone's wealth is different, right? Um, wealth comes in so many different packages. It's the obvious one is money. Uh, but but the other ones are things like quality of life, where, you know, the lifestyle you live, the people you surround yourself with, um, the, what you do to spend your time what you choose to do for work every day. You know, we spend a lot of our time on this planet working and in exchange for money. And it is just a necessary part of who we are as human beings. We've created this crazy world where we can't survive without it. And money is extremely important. Um, uh, I like to say that uh, money does not buy you happiness. But the lack of money sure wipes the smile off your face. So it's got to be an important part of it, but it's got to be a healthy part of it. And I think you just a person's just got to learn to define and visualize the life that they want to live. Right. So if I mean, and it can transition, it can change. You know, when you're young, obviously, you don't envision yourself buying a house and settling down and having kids right yeah. when you're young i think you got to have adventure you got to have you got to you've got to um you've got to challenge yourself you got to put yourself in situations where you are not comfortable because that's where you grow um in struggle and in adversity is where we discover the strengths we have that we didn't know we had so you don't know what you don't know until you're put in a situation where you've got to 
find something within yourself to get you through that situation. So struggle and adversity is extremely important. And I, you know, I, I'm, I'm guilty of being a bit of a helicopter parent. It's my generation because I came from the opposite. I came from the like I came from the right. land of take care of yourself and I'll see you at supper, you know, and um, I probably would have liked a little bit more security, a little bit more, you know, being taken care of. It just wasn't possible at the time. And so I think I'm a bit guilty of doing that with our kids. Like there's never been there's always someone at home at our house. And it was something that Carol and I just we were it was missing in our home. There was we were home alone a lot. Right. Um, and so there's always some, but there's always been someone at home at our house. There's always been someone there to pick you up or do something with you after school or, or on the weekends. And so, but I think I, and I just, I saw this on, uh, somewhere that, that kids need, kids need a, to be challenged. They need to be, um, given a bit of adversity so that they can discover these things about themselves. So, um, and I thought, you know, that really makes sense. So I would suggest that people, when they're coming out of school, I know school is not the define, does not define us. Your results of grade 12 years in, in grade school do not define who you are or how successful you're gonna be. You have to really just go for your passions, understand what your gifts are, and that's what you gotta bring to the world. Bring your gifts to the world, Whatever skills it is, whatever pat, whatever drives you or makes you passionate, and that, something that you never stop thinking about. There's got to be things, and there's something to be. You can make money out of just about anything. So find what makes you passionate, and and find that skill. Um, go get that skill. Make sure you you uh, become an expert at it, and you'll always have work. You'll always get paid in exchange for that value. You got to bring value to the world and live live your uh provide your gifts to the world and you'll always get compensated for it so focus cool. focus on what's important to you and what's going to give you a healthy balanced life love it parting words of wisdom i love it love it man <laughs> couldn't have said it better it's awesome <laughs> Thanks. well Thank my so much my You're last welcome. question is yeah. a little bit of a a quicker one is just what what's something you're obsessed with right now? A movie, a TV show, uh, maybe you just like you just figured out who invented tacos or something, and you're researching that more. <laughs> like a, a new music genre. What is something that sparked your interest that you've really gotten into? You said you go back and forth too. Like you, I you do. always need to do different things. So like, yeah, is there anything that makes you tick right now? Uh, what's kind of um. It's a good question. Yeah, that's a good question because I get I'm I, I actually I'm I'm guilty of shiny object syndrome so. <laughs> I call it the girl in the red cocktail dress. <laughs> yeah, that would be good too. Uh, Wandering eye. <laughs> I get drawn to things like, uh, well, right now I'm kind of drawn to the development that's happening in Kelowna. I don't know what it is, like all these sky rises that are going up in okay, Kelowna. Cool. I'm kind of, and um, we do work with a lot of developers in Kelowna. And so we're, um, I'm kind of into what, the transformation of the Kelowna skyline that's happening right now. Yeah, we don't see it yet, but it's in the next there. five years, it is gonna that is gonna transform. So I'm a little bit obsessed with with what's going on uh, as far as economic development around here because there's so much has happened in the last little while. So I'm really curious. I'm really watching to see where where it's all gonna go. Um, so that's kind of getting my attention. What else has gotten my attention lately? Um, 
we have this acreage and it's constant work and so i'm kind of into uh my new my new lawnmower but yes <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> is it a is it a is it a stand up uh, like you push it or is yeah, it a i really ride? i kind of really toy between the sit it sit down tractor version but i actually went for the i went for the uh front wheel drive uh push version there's something yeah. intoxicating about mowing your lawn <laughs> like, I, I had to do it when i was a kid all the time because my parents own a turf farm oh so, no kidding so they actually you have do a lot. they have like you know i think it's a little half acre parcel and a ridiculous amount of that was grass and of course the grass is perfect yeah and they wanted it cut every three days so every three days is out there for like an hour just like this sucks this sucks and eventually you're like throw some tunes on and you're like I'm having a good Way time go. like yeah that's I cool know. i actually i really i do i kind of zone out and i just kind of get into it but the last couple of years i've just been buying used lawnmowers and they're garbage right and this year i was like this year i'm buying a new so I was like, <laughs> I researched it and researched it. What does that one do? Front wheel drive, rear wheel drive. Uh, like yeah. it was just like the, Pros, cat, the catcher, 23 inch, 22 inch, like one thick, 163cc, 163cc. Like I need some power. And is it a <laughs> Honda or is it a Briggs Stratton engine? Uh, the guy, guy really yeah. got into it. And it's like, yeah. I love it. I love it. The, I, I'm it. the same way. Once, once like, and it's red. Oh yes, nice man. Nice. Paint some flames on it. <laughs> yeah. Creative with your lawnmower. Yeah, we, yeah. we could call it the we could call it the Heath Rod. <laughs> that was awesome. really lame. That sounded Heath way rod. cooler in my head. Yeah. Heath Rod. <laughs> All right, that's a good time to shut down. <laughs> we'll call it a day. Thanks, thanks for stopping by. Uh, yeah, really appreciate man. you coming to the studio. And uh, it's awesome. Thank I know you. this was a fun episode for everybody. So yeah. thanks again. We'll thanks have you on again, man. Thank fun. you. Okay. Thanks, guys. <laughs>